Welcome to Startup Happy Hour, sponsored by Content Allies. Grab a drink and join us to hear fun and inspirational stories from startup founders and visionaries who are making a positive impact in our communities and learn how you too can turn your new and exciting ideas into reality. Hey everybody, welcome to season two of Startup Happy Hour. I'm so excited that you're back here and I'm really excited to announce some new changes that we have for the upcoming season. So first, first of all, an update, a more personal update is uh, that I've accepted a new position at Unstoppable Domains. Um, they are a San Francisco-based company that's building domains on blockchains. And what that means is uh, blockchain domains, they are basically just like dot-com domain names that we're all familiar with today, except they allow you to trade crypto and uh, they allow you to own all of your online property so that nobody else can access that or make changes to them except for you. The company is backed by Draper Associates and Boost VC, and it's growing super rapidly. So I'm really excited to be joining the team at Unstoppable. And uh, as as our first guest here today is, we've got the CEO and founder of Unstoppable Domains, Matthew Gold. Before I bring him on, a few other updates. So this season, we are going to um, have... Uh, sort of a different focus in our conversations. We will be focusing on a new theme, envisioning and building the future. So there's gonna be a focus on more startups, technologies and conversations that help shape the future and hopefully make the world a better place to live in. Another quick little update is that we will be posting all of these videos to my YouTube channel. So if you prefer to consume these podcasts in video form instead, make sure you head to the YouTube channel and you can find the link in the show notes. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on our guest, Matthew Gold. He is, again, the CEO and founder of Unstoppable Domains. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Good, glad to be here. Thanks so much for being here. So I know I'm new to the company. I don't know if I did Unstoppable Domains justice in my little intro, but I'll let you go ahead and talk a little bit more about what Unstoppable Domains is. Yeah, Unstoppable Domains is a uh, company that builds domain names on the blockchain. We've been around since 2018, so this is our third year running. And uh, we're very excited about the changes that blockchain technology can make to the traditional domain name industry. And we also think that blockchain domains are a good segue into digital identity for users on the internet, especially when they're interacting with new blockchain apps uh, that they're gonna see a lot more of this next decade. Cool, so uh, for People listening who maybe aren't really familiar with the technology, can you just back up a little bit and explain what blockchain is and what decentralization means and all of these things that we're going to be talking a lot about in this episode? Yes. So uh, if you don't know much about blockchain, you've probably heard of Bitcoin, and that was the first uh, implementation of a blockchain that people use for sending back and forth a cryptocurrency. And the big to-do about it is there's now a way for you to have records on a public database that everybody can look at and feel very confident about their accuracy. And uh, this doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but as technologists will tell you, that's really hard to do, uh, particularly with finance. And so a lot of applications that you'll see out there in the blockchain, cryptocurrency, the Bitcoin space, they will be finance focused. And sending money around the planet is very expensive for people. Um, it takes a, it's a trillion dollar year industry and with this new blockchain technology, uh, technologists believe we can make this significantly more efficient so that we can save consumers hopefully trillions of dollars just by implementing this tech 
uh, to make it easier for you to verify how much money is in your bank account or on your cell phone wallet or on your credit card or something like that. So uh, Unstoppable Domains is a little bit different than those other apps because we're taking this technology to the next step, allowing you to associate data uh, back to your domain name. And in our case, we're making it very easy for you to uh, associate your payment addresses, like your cryptocurrency address for Bitcoin or something like that. Or you could put up a website, or maybe you want to verify a social profile um, back to a name that is on a, a public blockchain. And then anyone else can verify that as well. So we think that this is like the next generation of blockchain apps are going to be working on things that are outside of finance. Um, and then you know, the finance apps are going to continue to grow over this next decade. So that's kind of where we're positioned. Cool. Very cool. So let's break that down a little bit. We've got the finance side of things, and then we've got sort of like the digital ownership assets sort of type of thing. So uh, why don't we start with, I think the the digital ownership of assets is a little easier to comprehend for people that are maybe new to this space. Um, so essentially what you're saying is, is that instead of uh, you know, having to pay GoDaddy or SiteGround or whoever it is, a hosting fee per year that you would basically buy a blockchain domain, say I, I get dianachen.crypto as an example, and I will own that. Um, and that means I don't have to, I just buy it once, I pay a one-time fee, and that's mine forever. I don't have to pay anyone for hosting or anything like that. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, there's no renewal fees, and this is just part of the technology, you know, the next generation of technology. And the reason why you don't need renewal fees is because anybody can verify the information about the domain name by looking at the blockchain itself. And so that saves a lot of cost. And it's the same thing on the finance side. And so this is, there's a lot of places like this in your life that you don't really think about it, that there are these very large computer databases that store and track information about you uh, and that they use to provide services. And domain names is one of those. Uh, and that's why we picked it because we thought it was a perfect fit for this technology. Got it. So obviously it's really nice that we don't have to pay a renewal fee or, or, or an annual subscription fee. But outside of that, why else is it cool to own your domain name or own digital assets in general? So this is part of a bigger movement. And uh, people in the crypto space refer to this as uh, Web 3.0. And what they're talking about is right now when you go on the Internet, every website you visit has a, a siloed user account about you and they collect information about you and then they share it with a bunch of other people uh, in order to make money. And um, one of the ways that I like to put this, and this is very, this is known, right? Especially if you, uh, when you log into Facebook, you're the product. They're selling your information to other advertisers in order to make money off of you. And none of the information that you have in Facebook is readily available for you to take and maybe you know move to another platform if you wanted to. And so this has caused a problem on the internet and it's just a function of technology where as a user online, you don't own anything. Whereas um, we can actually change that paradigm so that you can start owning stuff online. So you could actually um, own and collect all the information, for instance, your tweets on Twitter. <laughs> and, if, and if you wanted to own those tweets, because that's your intellectual property. You put the effort in. Maybe you're a very funny person. You have 100,000 followers because you're a comedian or something like that. And you put a lot of effort in writing those tweets. And maybe you want to take those on to a new platform that gives you better compensation or that has other features that are useful for your users. You just can't do that right now. And the main reason is there isn't a nice public way for you to transfer data around between um, different applications. And if we have these crypto networks, blockchain networks that are coming out, they make that really e they make it 
not really easy, but they make it possible for you to finally do that data exchange uh, between the different apps that you're working on on the internet, which makes it also possible for you to start owning more of your online experience. Gotcha. And so what is this going to look like in terms of, you know, all, uh, all the I guess the content that gets put out when there's no censorship, of course, you know, like free speech is a really big, is a really hot topic right now. Um, but with that, I think there are pros and cons. So when we're looking at, you know, what the ramifications of that are on free speech, on um, trolls that are currently all over Twitter and Instagram and social media, like how are we going to see that change? So uh, the best thing you can do uh, for moderation, which is basically what you're getting at uh, on all these different platforms, is to allow there to be some sort of market so that there's ways for people who have uh, different ideas, they can actually express them um, in different areas of uh, the user experience that won't affect other people. Um, and right now, there is no way to have a kind of marketplace for ideas. Uh, there's no way to uh, have like cross-site filtering. Uh, I'll give you, for instance, like um, you have like the unfollow button on Twitter, but uh, and let's say you unfollow somebody because you really dislike them on Twitter. But if you move over to Reddit and that person is also on Reddit, you may end up seeing their same content or you move to another social network. Right. You may run into that person again and again and again. And there's no great way to create this type of uh, moderation uh, like rules for you as a user because all these things are, are siloed. If you instead had the user be able to uh, like keep a track of what they wanted for their, their moderation uh, filters on your application, then no matter which application they're logging into, they would already have that preset. So uh, it would really turn the volume down, I think, on a lot of the uh, misinformation that you're seeing uh, because people will be able to track that across all these different applications. So you, you couldn't just... Um, you couldn't just make a new fake account and continue to spew even more crazy information because it'll be much more difficult to create those. Like I think Facebook deletes hundreds of millions, if not a billion fake accounts a year. Same thing happens on Twitter. Uh, and that's the type of thing that becomes much more difficult if you have uh, user-owned identifiers that people can associate with, uh, can associate back to themselves that uh, are going to be much more difficult to spoof is what I'm getting at. It's just going to be a lot harder to trick these applications uh, into uh, posting your content uh, just over and over again. Got it. So what you're saying is basically if if we're in a world where we get to own all of our digital assets, I've got dianachen.com. It might be my website. And then I've got Diana Chen on Twitter, on Instagram, all of these things. So if somebody sees a post of mine on Twitter, they can click through to it and find my Instagram, find my Facebook, find my Reddit, all of these other things. Whereas if you were to create a fake account, that wouldn't be attached to any name or any person. So somebody could easily click through and see that it's a fake account that was just made for trolling or whatever the case. Correct. Yeah. And you got that very accurate. And then it's not just for moderation. I want to like extend out why also this would be useful. It's also great for reviews. Um, and because right now every like product reviews is another one. And I'm sure there's like five or 10 or 20 other great ideas that just waiting to be born. But you know, what's, let's say that I find somebody that I really think is great at uh, picking great products and I know them, you know, maybe it's my brother, right? And I think he's really good at certain things. Uh, right now, there's no way for me to find my brother's reviews on Amazon, right? Like I can't filter for that. So, uh, but 
if my brother was able to have some sort of identifier that he could use across the different applications, I could see his the things that uh, if he's willing to share that with me. Of course, he would have to opt me in because the user is in control of that. But I could ask him and say, hey, can I see you know, your review and post history? He said, yes. And then when I'm in on those sites, I could actually filter and say, like, hey, is this something that he's been interested in? Um, in the real world, this is – like, let's take this out even further. In the real world, you could get the exact same thing because if you do transactions uh, and the tra- transactions that you're doing in the future are using these – blockchain backend payment rails, even if you're paying a dollars with your visa or whatever, then I could uh, have information about people who have been there and I can verify that information. So if you are a small business owner, you may have problems with fake reviews like torpedoing your business. Uh, That's a lot harder now if people have to have verified payment information. Like they would have to go to your store and buy something and then troll you (laughs) as opposed to like right now they can just write something bad about you on Yelp and make you look bad and they've got, you've got no recourse. So um, I think that Again, transparency is one of the things that uh, blockchain, crypto, and Bitcoin technology is really good at. And, I, and it's kind of funny that when people think about Bitcoin, they may, or, or crypto or blockchain in general, they may think, oh, you know, it's kind of this dark thing or whatever. But it's actually quite the opposite. Like the technology was built from the ground up at the very beginning to allow you to verify data. And in the case of uh, Bitcoin, it was to verify how much money somebody had. And if you, but the technology itself is for really great at transparency and data verification. And you could see that happening in all sorts of aspects of your life. Uh, An important part about this, though, that we could maybe get into is we think it's very important for users to own it instead of corporations or or governments. And so all the tools that we build on subtle domains are so that users can have uh, control of their data inside of their wallet because uh, blockchains, although very powerful for transparency, and data sharing, uh, and, and I think they can make a much better and safer uh, internet and real world. Um, I think it could also be really bad if it ended up being run uh, by you know like a bad corporation or maybe a government who doesn't have the best interest of its people. So uh, that's why I'm passionate about working on unstoppable domains. We want to make sure the technology is built in such a way so that it's consumer friendly and that it's in the consumer's wallet and not in, you know, your government's wallet or, you know, one of these mega tech corporations wallets who who may not care very much about your opinion. For sure, for sure. So for people that want to learn a little bit more, get more into it, maybe even help spur the development and growth of these, the decentralized web so that we can make this uh, possible for everybody, what can they do? Uh, so I would suggest the first thing you do is go do a little bit more reading about uh, cryptocurrency, just in general. Go read a little bit more about that. Uh, and and then uh, check out Unstoppable Domains, unstoppabledomains.com. Got to plug myself here. Uh, and we also have a, a learning center and a community where you can go in. And we also have a bunch of apps that work with uh, crypto and blockchain technology on the back end. And we're expanding that out. And there are things that you wouldn't imagine, right? Like So we have email that works with um, that connects back to a blockchain domain name is an example of an application in there. Uh, and uh, there's a few others like that. And there's going to be a lot more. There's going to be hundreds more. So this is going to be building <clears throat> over the next uh, several, you know, next decade, basically. So that's what I would say. And uh, a note, because uh, when you put in a search on Google for cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or something, you know, the first couple hours are going to be not that great <laughs> because because like it's a new technology um, the learning information about it, uh, it takes a little bit to dig through, uh, and but you'll find the right people. I mean, YouTube's got a lot of great videos on that. And as you start going down the rabbit hole, just invest the time in learning, because I can I can't guarantee you that 
this technology or that technology is going to be better than the other. But I can guarantee you that the underlying technology here is very powerful and that it's, it's going to save a lot of people money and it's going to uh, give a lot more transparency online. And I think it's going to generate a lot of value for consumers. So knowing how to use this, I think it's going to be important for you particularly for managing your everyday finance. I think you'll see that first, but then continuing to extend out to the other areas of your life. So, you know, I tell my parents this, uh, like you should at least go and learn. There's no downside uh, on that aspect. For sure. And uh, so definitely go out and do your own research and, and learn and things like that. But just to give people a little bit of a primer on the other side that we had touched upon earlier, which is cryptocurrency and the finance side of blockchain. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So why don't, maybe let's start with right now when, say, uh, you send somebody money or you buy a product, you send somebody money or you send a friend money. What actually is going on in the back end of that transaction? And then how can blockchain help change that and make it easier and cheaper? Yeah. So um, you already are using a digital currency in most cases, unless you use cash. Uh, so when you send your friend money on Venmo or PayPal or something, the banks and these financial institutions and your credit card companies, they've done all this work to take what was once like a pure cash system and then turn it digital. And so uh, I, it's like it's basically the digital dollar 0.0. It's like the first version and it's really bad and terrible and slow. And I'll, let me talk you through why it's slow. When you send a payment to somebody from person A to person B – if these two people happen to be at different financial institutions, so if um, my bank is different than your bank or my credit card processor is different than the one where the payment is coming from, et cetera, et cetera, they have to reconcile – they have to make, they have to check and make sure that the payment information is correct, but you have enough money to make that payment transaction. And they have a bunch of connections on the back end between all of their different database systems in order to verify that information, and it can take anywhere from three days – to credit card processors, some of them only process transactions, um, you know, every few weeks or even um, every month in order to get paid out. So that's a long time, and <clears throat> there's two big problems with that. One is time is money, and, and so you, everyone pays a little bit more for everything because it takes too long for all those things to get reconciled. And the other thing is they they're supporting this really old technology stack um, that uh, doesn't do a very good job for tracking uh, like a digital like a digital payment that you'd make at a coffee shop. So what do blockchains do? Well, Matt, it's 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 almost like magic. It feels like magic. So you can actually get rid of all of that back end that each bank has separately. Like every bank that you talk to has its own database with its own uh, accounting of what's what's in their bank. You can get rid of all of that separate stuff. And then instead everyone works on one uh, public blockchain record. Right, and the, and this is the cool part is that they figured out how to make this public record secure, so that you could have a thousand different banks, and they have all thousand of their different customer record accounts, uh, and they can all be encrypted, and and um, so that random people can't just read the information off of it if if they want to set it up that way, uh, um, and then everyone is reading off the same ledger. So when you make a payment to when you transfer money from one from person A to person B, now the update is made on that one ledger that everyone's writing off of and everybody can read. And you know instantly because when you send the payment, the person actually check right then on that same database and say, oh, that you do have enough money. And then they'll then it will go through and get processed and they'll get paid right then within uh, most blockchains now are less than one minute. I think Bitcoin is uh, still around 10 minutes, um, but some of the other ones are actually 
less than 10 seconds from, from that finality. And a lot of them are trying to get, you know, less than two seconds so that when you swipe your card, it's, it's really instant. It's kind of like I handed you cash. So that's why uh, for finance, the practical side of how it's going to save a lot of people money is just imagine there's a lot of computers behind the scenes right now in our banking industry that we can get rid of all that really old technology and then upgrade it from 0.0 digital money. It's almost like accident. It's a, it is an accident. They didn't know when they, when they built those banking systems in the 1950s and 60s and 70s, they, they had no idea the computers were going to be this big a deal. And now we're actually going to move them over to a new system for how they should be uh, tracking digital money. And we're talking about banking, which is highly government regulated. So you should expect it to take a decade. Um, and that's just how it's going to be. And Bitcoin's been around now for 10 years. It's going to take another 20 you know, total for everyone to move over. Uh, but I do think it's inevitable. And it, you're going to end up with a lot you know, higher savings rates and lower fees, uh, which I think is great for people. And easier to open a, an account to. That's awesome. Yeah, so kind of going along those lines, where do you envision, or I, I guess where do you either envision or hope that the world will be in 20 years in terms of blockchain and decentralization and all of this stuff? Uh, so there's a couple different things that I'm very interested to see happen. Uh, the first one, and this is why there's a lot of energy behind this, I really think it needs to be much easier for people to get access to uh, financial products and credit and uh, globally. So not just the U.S., but everywhere else. So I want it to be like from your cell phone, you can easily open a bank account and the bank account that you open can be the best bank in the world. Like you don't have to just use the one that's down the street from you. You can choose from anywhere on the planet that you want. Uh, and then when you are uh, saving, you could p- pick to put your money in the best savings account for you anywhere on the planet. And then when you're investing, you could pick to put your money behind the company that's your favorite company on the planet, whether it's in the U.S. or Europe or uh, China or Japan, wherever. So it's a real way to open up financial markets globally for everyone um, and that they would have access to those. The other thing that I think is cool is that everyone gets to be to the front of the line. Uh, and I think that that's like an important concept for me where the guy who's sitting on Wall Street in New York uh, who's trading stocks on the stock exchange doesn't have an advantage versus you in your home in South Dakota. All right, you'll both have access. And we see that people really want this already with more applications like Robinhood coming out. But what I'm talking about actually encompasses the entire financial system because we're going to be getting that out. So that's on the finance side. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, it's a lot of uh, cost right now in the economy. It's trillions of dollars a year that people have to spend for these expensive financial, these old expensive financial systems that we can, just like your flat screen TV used to be 2000 bucks and now it's $200. All these financial transactions that the world is paying right now and we're paying like $2 at a time so you don't notice it, but it's trillions of dollars. Hopefully we can get that down so it's only, you know, tens of billions and we can have those trillions of dollars to spend on something else. That's the finance thing that I'm very, very excited about. Uh, The other thing that I'm excited about is... Uh, people being able to share data to each other uh, and being able to take their data around with them around the web as a form of like digital identity. And when I say the web, I also mean just around your life because the web is on your phone now. So uh, the example that I like to use is my pet, Ollie, and his vet records. And uh, so the vets here, uh, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I had to take him to a different vet that was in the same uh, 
network, right? So they're the exact same company, and they're five miles apart from each other. But for whatever reason, all these paper records in VET 1 could not make it to the VET location number two. And that's so silly because I'm in a pretty small town, and they're less than five miles away. But if it was possible for them to let me have my pet's health records uh, stored by me so that or accessed by me, and then I had the ability to authorize um, to permission and access, and there's actually a term for this, uh, and I forgot it, but permission access to, to this data, then all of a sudden I don't have this problem anymore with my pet's health records. And so that's like a very, you know, that's just one thing is my health records for my pets. You can also obviously imagine this for health records for people. You can imagine this with background checks for employment. Um, if you want to switch jobs, uh, financial certifications, there's a lot of things around employment that I think are quite big. It would be easier to move around. Let's say you're a security guard and you have a special certification that says that, you know, you're, you can do night security or whatever. Um, I was in Vegas, that's actually a thing, believe it or not. So you could carry a gun or something like this. And you could move these permits around to different places. Anyone knows that if you move states or you switch jobs or you change doctors or you pick a new vet, you have all this paperwork that you just have to reprocess. And um, that goes away when we have systems for allowing you to move that data around uh, tied back to your identity and this is what blockchains can empower you to do. So that's those are the two big categories. And so the big one's finance uh, right now. And then the other one is this uh, portable digital ID thing. That's what Unstoppable Domains is focused on uh, because I want to um, – I think the internet should go around with me when I'm walking around instead of being something that I interact with in a very surface way. And, and that's what we're working on. Awesome. That is all super exciting stuff. I'm really excited about it. And uh, we're going to move on from this in a little bit. But before we move on, I just want everybody to know that Unstoppable Domains does have their own podcast called the Unstoppable Podcast. And if you want to learn more about some of the things that Matt and I briefly talked about here, we go way more in depth on the podcast. And so you can go and listen more about, you know, cryptocurrency, financial side of things, digital currency, things like that, how you can own your own digital assets for content creators. That might be something you're interested in. Um, So definitely go and give the Unstoppable Podcast a listen. It's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So Matt, let's move on. I want to learn more about your startup journey and how you got here. So all I know about your background really is that you used to be in real estate at some point. So take me back to where you came from. At what point did you get interested in startups, know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur one day, all that good stuff? Yeah. uh, Wow. So that's that's way back. So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think my, my first company was washing cars in my neighborhood when I was like 13, right? So that's always been a thing. And then uh, I've always really liked the power of software and data analytics to change um, business processes. So uh, you mentioned real estate. Actually, the first companies I was involved with was building software to read information about uh, mortgages. And this is back in 2007, right before the mortgage crash. So I got also got a great lesson in economics here. Uh, so, But we were working on software to help people find lower interest rates by Uh, by crawling public data on on mortgages. And so I saw that software could really be impactful there. I got the startup bug actually through a friend of mine who I went to college with. He'd moved out to San Francisco. I had stayed back in Atlanta when I was at Georgia Tech. And he encouraged me to move to San Francisco because he's like, this is where the future is being made. And at the time, that was actually true. So I'm glad I made the journey out there. Ended up working at, um, at his startup that he had there. 
uh, we were doing marketing analytics. So I got, saw that company go from very small to a reasonably sized com- company still still running there. Uh, and then also at the same time, that's when I really started to dig into uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin on the on the weekends as as a side project. Um, and I remember Bitcoin very early on. It was not very impressive at first look. It was extremely impressive because it was so clean of a solution for uh, currency, basically. But personally, I'm not very interested in finance. If I was interested in finance, I probably would have moved to New York. Uh, and I was very interested in other types of use cases. It wasn't until about 2015 when there was some significant uh, updates that made blockchains much more usable for non-financial use cases. That's when I decided I was going to go full-time into the blockchain space and ended up picking uh, domain names as the place that I wanted to work on. I thought that this was – domain names are uh, one of the first things that happened on the internet. I think that they're one of the first things that are going to happen on blockchains. Uh, I think we're proving that successfully here. Uh, and we've just grown the company steadily over the last three years through the crypto bear market here. Uh, and now looking out into the 2020s, we're very excited about g- making sure that every person on the planet has a blockchain domain name. Awesome. Very cool stuff. And so if you could give somebody advice who was maybe in your shoes 10 years ago uh, that wants to end up where you are today, like what's the best piece of advice that you could give them? So uh, the good, I, so if you want to get into startups, the good news is even if you fail, it's a success. Uh, and you hear that a lot, but it's actually true. And, and the reason why is if you're in your uh, early career stages and you take the risk on working at a new emerging company, what you're showing to future employers is that you're willing to work hard because everybody knows if you go to a startup, you're going to be working hard because you have less resources. That's just the truth. Uh, You also show them that you're open to new ideas by going and taking this job. And then finally, you're going to have a lot more responsibility because again, you don't have a human resources department or a finance department or any of these other things at these smaller companies. You have yourself and you're going to be ending up wearing three, four, five hats. So I found startups to be a super way to learn very quickly a lot about business and get a lot of experience um, if you're interested. Uh, so and then, you know, another thing that I would suggest is you may not you you, you may be working a little bit harder than you suspect uh, for a little bit less money than you think you're worth uh, when you first get your first job. My first job at a startup uh, I was sleeping on a couch in San Francisco for the first three months. Now, San Francisco has crazy housing prices, so that's a thing. Uh, and I was like, you know, scraping by basically just trying to make it. But you put in the time and the best time to do that is early career. You don't want to be doing that later career if you can avoid it. Um, and uh, the payoff is, is pretty big and everything's going to software. You have like 30 years history of that happening. There's no sign that that's going to slow down at all. So I think it's a it's always a great time to move into the technology industry pretty much no matter where you are uh, in your life uh, and take the leap because you worst case scenario, uh, the startup closes shop in eight months and you're out of a job. You can always find a job in another startup because they're constantly hiring, especially for people who have worked at a startup before. And the big companies will actually respect the risk that you've taken uh, by taking a jump into something new. 
Got it. Great advice. And kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, when we talk about startups, there are so many different varieties of startups. You could be joining a super early stage startup. You could be joining a later stage startup that already has 100 or 200 people. You could be joining a VC-backed startup that maybe has more resources than a bootstrap startup. All of these different things. Do you have experience with different types of startups and any specific advice for people that are maybe you know wanting to experiment with one type over another? So you brought up a good thing, which is, to think about, which is company size. Because that's probably the most important thing that you don't really think about that often. Because there's a big difference between five people, 50 people, 150 people, and 500 plus people. Once you get to 500 plus people, like it's going to be pretty much, there's going to be process in place, right? So, But each of those things have different levels of process. Uh, so I actually think that's personal preference. I, I like companies when they're very, very small. I like being on teams that there are five people because I can know everybody and we can joke around and you know, we really make those connections. So I like to be on the smaller end of this scale. Uh, some people like to be, you know, when companies hit 100. I have several friends who are like, you know, I love working at startups, right? Going from 100 to 500. And then they just hate it after it gets 500 because it's too bureaucratic. And they hate it when it's smaller than 100 because they like to have some of the systems in place so that they can stay organized. So uh, I'm a very disorganized person, so I don't mind there not being any organization. I'm already there. Uh, so I'm on the very small end. So you should figure out where you are in that spectrum. And you, I would really look at it at you know, 5, 50, 150, and 500. Like Those are the different kind of levels where you're going to feel some differences in how things operate. So, so for someone who doesn't know anything about startups, I would say think about that one. That's a good one. Um, the next thing, when you're looking at startups... The most important thing is the uh, founding and executive team. Uh, And it's funny because investors say the same thing. If you ask investors what's the most important thing about a startup, they'll say the founding and executive team. So if you are an employee or if you're looking to work at a startup, right, then do your homework on that team. Like talk to them, talk to everyone you you can on that team. Make sure you feel very comfortable working with those people, that it's something that you would like to wake up and work with those people because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them, more time than investors. So if investors think that the founding and executive team is the most important thing for a startup, uh, then as an employee, I would say it's even more important uh, for you. Uh, the, the last one is probably around um, compensation. And I just think it's important for people to realize that startups are very risky. So the real value that you're getting as an employee at a startup is the work experience for what it is that you're doing, all the learning that you're getting, and the growth opportunities. So don't pick a startup that's not growing, right? Because the thing that you're getting as the employee is the growth opportunity. No startup is going to pay you as much as Facebook or Google just because they don't have as much money. Uh, But the thing that can happen is a startup can grow. And so if you're there early, at a startup that's growing well, then uh, you'll have success based on that startup continuing to increase, not only for the uh, small amount of the equity compensation that you may have, but also paired with the uh, job opportunity advancements. So the first startup I worked at, I came in as a data analyst. And then by the time I left, I was uh, their director of operations. And if you look at that in a four-year period, I went from an individual contributor job to managing 30-plus people. And you can't do that in most places in four years if you go and work at uh, Walmart or something. It's hard to make like those types of moves uh, once you get bigger. So career advancement, I would say, would be the last thing to look for, and that's really tied uh, to growth. Something that happens when you work for a startup is you're basically picking 
a company, but you only get to pick one. And investors get to pick 20, right? So uh, really think about who you're working with um, and then uh, consider the growth trajectory of, uh, of where that's going over the next few years because it's going to be hugely impactful uh, on your life. Awesome. That's such great practical advice. Thank you so much for that. All right. So this next segment, this is something new that we're doing in season two. This segment is called Explain Your Tweet. This is where I go through your Twitter account and I pick out some tweets that you've made and uh, that I found to be interesting or questionable or just funny or whatever. And I'm going to give you a chance to explain your tweet. All right. So, okay. I didn't tell you this was happening, so I hope you're ready for this. (laughs) I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so uh, on January 10th, so just last week, you tweeted, there are some things money can buy for everything else. There's Bitcoin. Tell me more about that. So when, you know, I think most people, when you think about, oh, what can't money buy? Happiness. Can Bitcoin buy that? Uh, Tell tell us more what you mean by that. So I was mostly making a comment on uh, the fact, and I don't remember if this is the exact day, but uh, a lot of payment processors have been making it harder for merchants to receive payments. And it was just funny to me because Bitcoin works everywhere. And these payment processors say, you know, Visa works everywhere. Well, it's not actually true anymore. Uh, And so we're seeing these digital currencies come in and uh, sub in so that you can actually pay with Bitcoin. And no, Bitcoin will not buy happiness. But I do think that having Bitcoin will allow you to buy some things that maybe you can't buy um, with Visa uh, th- because they continue to restrict the different merchants that they have. And January 10th specifically, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I was referring to Pornhub, Pornhub because Pornhub just had its uh, credit card processing uh, turned off on, on that date. So that was, that's why I made that tweet. <laughs> I, I did not know that. So I'm really glad I brought that up so you could <laughs> explain that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Next tweet. This one's um, also from January 10th. You were busy on January 10th, clearly. You said, if you are worried crypto prices are too high, you're overthinking it. If you're angry that you missed out on the bull run, you're not thinking enough. Okay. So I, I think a lot of people can uh, relate to what you're talking about here, I, myself included. I owned some Bitcoin, um, I don't even know, more than five years ago, maybe like when they just came out. I bought some because that was all the rage, I, but like I was too lazy to learn about it, so I didn't know what to do about it. So then I held on to it for about a year, and then I got rid of it because nothing was happening. And now I obviously have massive regrets, and uh, I'm looking at the Bitcoin prices now thinking, well, it's probably not worth me jumping in at this point. So tell me more. Yeah, so the first part is uh, Bitcoin in particular is meant to be very simple. It's a great way to save money. You just buy Bitcoin, and then you just wait because it's a great store of value. So that's why I say if you're worried that the crypto prices are too high, you're thinking too much. Uh, And the people who are most worried about the cryptocurrency prices being too high are people who are trying to make money tomorrow or next week or next month. But if you're trying to make uh, a long-term decision about your money and you want to put your money somewhere where you're not worried about inflation uh, and you want to make sure that the asset price will go up uh, in value to keep up with the price of rising cost of living, uh, Bitcoin is a very good option for that because Bitcoin uh, has a fixed supply, uh, which makes it very uh, resistant to inflation. It has a proven track record of uh, now past performance is not an indicator of future results, but it has a 10 year tra- track record where if you pick pretty much any five year window, you're going to be up over a five year period and sometimes quite significantly. So 
That's why I say if you're worried that crypto prices are too high, you're just thinking too much. You need to go back to basics. This is something where I can just, you know, set savings account aside and then just, you know, buy your however much you want to set aside in savings that you don't need every month and then just don't don't think. So that's why that's the overthinking part. So for the people who are angry that you missed out on the bull run, the reason why I'm saying you're not thinking enough uh, is that there's still 99% of the opportunity that has not been explored in cryptocurrency. And, th- and that's what I'm trying to say. Like, Not that you can just buy cryptocurrency and get rich. That's not the opportunity. The opportunity is uh, there's going to be you know millions of new businesses and existing ones that integrate and use blockchain and crypto technology. There's going to be lots of companies that pop up like Unstoppable Domains that uh, create uh, cr- uh, strong businesses servicing these markets. Uh, and then there's going to be job opportunities uh, in this space for people who are uh, ambitious and open-minded to learn new things and grow with it. So it's a fast-growing sector. So I think that if you're angry I would just or like upset that you missed out on the bull run, I would say, no worries, you haven't really missed anything yet. And uh, the the just think about it this way, how much is blockchain and crypto technology impacting your daily life right now? For 99.9% of people, you'll say not at all. And then I would say, okay, well, then we still have a 1,000x to go. Because if if only one out of a 1,000 people daily life is impacted with crypto crypto and blockchain technology, I'm telling you that you're going to be using this uh, every day. And then every person is going to be using it uh, because it's going to be that ingrained into um, your daily life. So that's what I was trying to get there. Anyway, so don't think too hard. If you're just looking to to buy some crypto, it's easy. Don't think just don't think about it too much. It's meant to be like a savings account. And then if you're worried about missing it, you haven't missed anything. Got it. Okay, so a couple of follow-ups to that. First of all is when when you say that, do you mean all crypto including Bitcoin just because there's some chatter that, you know, Bitcoin has maybe already reached its peak and it's going to end up tanking it can't just keep going up forever um and then second follow-up to that is for somebody that you know doesn't currently own any crypto but wants to get in there what are some of the best cryptos in your view to buy right now yeah uh so i am not a financial advisor so i'm not going to venture in there and i would actually point out that this is one of the places where we could use a lot more people from uh, wall street step in and people in the crypto industry have been saying for the past you know several years like it would be really great if we had an etf for cryptocurrency that i could just buy on my Robinhood app or my brokerage account and that would be great because then we would know that it would be regulated there would be someone looking at it making sure that how much crypto is in there is what they say you could buy an index so you could get coverage for a lot of different cryptos at one point and you can make it easier for the individual investor because you're right the, t- the hard part for investors right now is uh you have to do all this research and it just seems like a lot of effort for um, a normal person to go through who doesn't have all day to, to do that research. Uh, if you're just looking to get some exposure I, I'm and you live in the U.S. I highly or they're all over the place now, but Coinbase is a great place to get started. They have lots of great educational materials um, and the sector is very correlated to each other. I would just point that out for for people who know about investing. If things are correlated, if one, one of the things moves up, the other ones likely also move up. So if you're looking at cryptocurrencies, they're all really correlated. So if one of the big cryptocurrencies goes up, they probably all, all are going up. If one of the big cryptocurrency goes down, they're probably all going to go down. Um, so I think that, again, don't overthink it. Pick a simple strategy. And then also hopefully uh, we'll have some action here from 
the uh, regulators in the U.S. so that we'll have more products for you to buy that'll be much easier and safer um, than what, what's currently on offer. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Last tweet that I want to point out is uh, one from November 30th, 2020. You said, is there an upper limit on how much leftover Thanksgiving turkey you can feed to your dog? I don't actually have a question here. I really just wanted to bring it up to hear you talk more about your dog. So tell us more about Ollie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, Ollie is a uh, Labradoodle. And uh, he is fantastic, as anyone who has a dog will tell you. Their dog is always amazing. So he's he's amazing. And uh, I he has learned that if he just sits patiently, then I will feed him whatever I'm eating. Uh, and this came to a head around uh, Thanksgiving because he really likes turkey. And this is the first time that Ollie has ever, ever fished my trash can. Uh, so, in, you know, in two years, he has never gone in the trash can for everything, except he did for turkey. He made the exception. So I think that it's maybe his favorite thing. Um, and I can tell you, I have not found an upper limit for turkey for dogs uh, as of today. And there was no downside. So I would highly suggest feeding turkey to your dog. Uh, he will love you for it. And uh, that's a great way to get rid of leftover turkey. Roughly how much turkey did you feed him and did he get sick from it after? No, I like I couldn't tell you because we had, you know, Thanksgiving this year, like a lot of people, uh, was small, right? Because you were unable to have your family over the way that you might want to, uh, depending on your situation. Uh, and so we had an average size turkey and it was just my wife and I. So there was plenty of turkey for the dog. I mean, basically he got a third of a turkey over the course of a few days. So he's quite happy with that result. Wow, very impressed by that. He's he's a he's a hearty dog if he can stomach all of that turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, he I mean he he loves it. So he's he's into the bird. Nice, nice. All right, so tell tell people a little bit more about who Matthew Gold is outside of work and all these smart things that you do. Obviously, you love your dog. You play with your dog. What else do you do? Yeah, so uh, I I really like uh, going outdoors and. With, so this has been a great year for that, actually, believe it or not. But uh, I like going on hikes. Uh, I actually do not live in the San Francisco Bay area anymore. My wife and I moved out uh, to the Reno-Tahoe area because I like to be closer to the mountains. Um, and I also like the desert, believe it or not. Uh, I used to also play uh, poker uh, competitively. It's been a while since I've done that. So uh, being on the Nevada side makes that a little bit easier uh, than being in California. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, I'm a huge, I love restaurants. So this has been a very hard year for me on eating out. Uh, I am a sucker for, uh, it, basically anybody who can cook. I have been trying to learn how to cook a little bit better this year. Um, I'm getting there. Uh, but I've actually, I'm definitely looking forward to everything opening up and I will be out there. I have a commitment. I'm going to eat out like 30 days in a row because I want to make sure these restaurants can make some money. I'm going to go spend all this money that I've been saving, you know, in crypto this past year. And I'm going to go spend it on these restaurants around here locally, help keep these guys in business. That's awesome. Can you guys do takeout and delivery and stuff in your area? Yeah, we do. We do do takeout. Uh, it's not the same, right? Like I, I like to be able to, I like to have a beer or drink, you know, one or two with, with what I'm doing. I also like to walk around and, and I like, I like to take on the ambiance, get outside of my house a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that uh, opening back up and things just getting back to normal. Like 2021, if it's, if 2021 just goes back to be as good as 2019, it's going to be an excellent year. And I think, I think that's what we're looking for. Totally, totally. Honestly, one of the things I miss the most is having a draft beer. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. And uh, 
I think that we actually have an outdoor beer garden here in Reno. Um, and so that place has stayed open. So I have gone, it's really cold though. So it's like wicked cold. It's like 32 degrees and you're like shivering when you, so it's not perfect, but like when you don't have any other options. Uh, and, and the other thing that's funny too, and I'll just mention this and we'll move on, but all the gas is sold out for the, uh, kerosene lanterns for the outside. Um, so there's no, like restaurants are just out of gas because everyone's using it this year, of course. Uh, so always something. Yeah, it's the exact same thing here in Chicago, too. I've never been much of an outdoor diner in the winter, but this year I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. I'll bring some hand warmers. I'll wear some thick socks, and I'm totally down to sit outside and, you know, ha have some beers or hang out outside. Uh, it's just different times. Uh, I, I, would say, um, I would say one other thing about me that maybe uh, I'm a huge sports fan, um, and I have, for whatever reason, I'm a lifelong Falcons fan because uh, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, so... Uh, I, I know how to stick with a team through thick and thin. I can put it that way. Uh, and I also picked up the Raiders this year because we've been in Nevada for a few years now. So that's my second team. So I'm looking forward to seeing them, them play. Uh, and an avid baseball watcher as well. I, the reason I like baseball, though, is because of the statistics. So that is a little bit dorky. But I find baseball to be fascinating. You know, it's America's pastime. Nice. Have you been to uh, the Cub Stadium, Wrigley, in Chicago? Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, it, nice. it's been a while. But yeah. are you one of those? Are you one of those uh, baseball stadium hoppers? Like you, you've got a bucket list to hit up all of them. So my friends are, and I do join them on those trips. So I'm actually thinking about adding that now because I want to travel again, right? So uh, I, I think I'm going to join them in it. And they, they've already done, you know, most of them, if pretty close to all. So, but I'm going to join them on the next ones. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait for things to open up again so we can all resumed, resume life as normal and do fun things again. Yes. All right. L last thing we're doing here, um, in season one, we used to play a game. We played this or that, or we played the word association game. That was fun, but we're, uh, we're up-leveling this season, and we are going to play another fun game. I don't really have a name for this, so I'm just going to call it the Get to Know Matt game for now. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and these are all random, non-business-related questions, uh, and hopefully make you think a little bit, and you'll have some fun answers. So first question. If you were stranded on a desert island with only one other person, who would you want it to be? And this can be a dead or alive person. Oh, it'd be my wife. It's an easy one. <laughs> Aw, oh, I love that. Okay, that was too easy. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Um, so imaginary animal would be a dragon. A real animal would be a dog because my dog is awesome. So he sold me on it. Totally. I, I watch my dog all day and I'm like, life of a dog would be really great. 18 hours of sleep. <laughs> like, I don't know you how sleep, they do it. You sleep, you eat, you sleep, you eat, you go on walks, you play. That's, that's like, I mean, I, in an ideal world, that's all I'd want to do with my life, really. Yeah, it's, it looks perfect. Totally. Okay, if you could live anywhere other than where you live now, where would you live? Hawaii. And Hawaii is definitely on that list. Yeah, so it's a, it's a nice place. I don't know if I'm okay with spending $10 for a gallon of milk. So, But other than that, Hawaii is looking pretty good. Yeah, is that a realistic option for you one day? Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's a small island. So, uh, you know, there's a, you know, if you have a family, you have a lot of considerations to take into place. I'm sure Ollie and I would love it, but, you know, we have to check in with everybody else. Totally. All right, if you could go back to college and redo it knowing what you know now, what's one thing you would do differently? I would switch majors to computer science a lot earlier. So I had to go back and go to grad school and then go back and learn computer programming. And it's because I didn't know uh, what I wanted to do. So I would just say that if you're unsure of what you want to do, it used to be go to school for business or something. But I would say now go to school for computer science. Like if you're unsure and, and you're okay enough at math, 
uh, and also writing, writing, believe it or not, it's a big part of computer programming, then I would be, uh, I would suggest going straight in there. So that would have saved me three, four years of um, having to figure out what I wanted to do because I'm one of those people who didn't really figure it out until I was like 25. I'm the exact same way. And that's so funny because my answer is the exact same answer. I would, I would have picked a different major. So there you go. All right. Uh, here's one that you'll like. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would that food be? I'm going to go with chocolate. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> that, so not, not, you're not thinking a practical answer at all, just purely thinking by taste. Yeah, I, just, that, I don't think you'll live very long if you just eat chocolate. We, we, you know, like uh, rather be happy than, than live forever, I guess. So chocolate sounds like the, all right, that's, sounds like the answer. That's a fair answer. Okay, next one. If you could have any superpower, what superpower would you have? Well, the first one that comes to mind is flying. So I think that that's just, that sounds like it's a so much better way to travel, right? So, and it's safer too, if you think about it. Car accidents, they're all over the place. Flying, get there, you know, super quick. You don't have to worry about any of that. What about teleportation? Isn't that even faster? Uh, so actually, that would be. I, I changed my answer. I'm going to go with teleportation. Yeah. So done. Okay. <laughs> done. <laughs> All right. Great. Last question. If you could have any job other than the one you have now uh, and practical factors are not an issue, what job would you have? Hmm. I'd want to be some sort of like food or beverage taster. Right. Cause like that just seems like, like if, if we're not worried about practical considerations, uh, yeah, that would be great. Like if I just basically tasted chocolate wine and cheese for like forever and maybe hamburgers we'll throw hamburgers in there also bacon i could be we're not talking practically here but i want to be a food taster for bacon hamburgers uh alcohol chocolate (laughs) and cheese that's it that would be that would be the perfect job for me so if you have that job out there uh please let me know i will consider it uh right maybe throwing some veggies there too if it's a real job just so you can extend your <laughs> lifetime a little bit. again this whole this whole uh this whole thing about extended lifetime i'm you know there's there's other things out there i'm just thinking on behalf of ollie ollie's gonna miss having, having around, so. <laughs> yeah. he needs somebody to hang around and feed him tur- unlimited turkey and it's true and other s- scraps that's true i'll think of ollie all right awesome well thank you so much matt for being here before you go just tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you personally as well as where they can learn more about unstoppable domains and grab a domain for themselves well please check us out on the unstoppable podcast with diana chen and matthew gould uh and then you can find us on the web at unstoppable web that's our twitter handle we're also unstoppable domains.com and then if you would like to follow me personally i'm at matthew E. Gould uh, on Twitter, uh, and you'll see my profile uh, cartoon picture head up there. So I think that's, yeah, that's where to find me. And then, of course, we have community forums and everything. Um, and if you want to contact us at Unsolved Domains, just send us a message in the chat bot and we'll find you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt, for being here. This was a really fun conversation, and I'm super excited to work with you. Uh, excited. Um, the excitement is all mine. So uh, looking forward to a fantastic 2021. Awesome. Thanks everybody for tuning in and we will be back again soon with another episode of Startup Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Startup Happy Hour sponsored by Content Allies. If something we said today resonated with you, please share our episode on social media and sign up for our email list at startuphappyhourpodcast.com. Happy Hour doesn't have to end just because this episode is over. Continue the conversation with us at startuphappyhourpodcast.com or on Instagram at startuphappyhour.com.